You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted. This is our podcast for Acme Packing Company that takes you behind enemy lines. We're going to be talking to Seth Galena of Pro Football Focus. He is a uh, noted or like maybe embarrassed uh, Saints fan. Seth, say what's up to the people. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? So you said, I talked to you last week. You said one of the most offensive things that maybe I've ever heard oh, in my God. life. You said that if New Orleans got past Tampa Bay in the playoffs, that they would have beaten Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. Like, we did not already see that matchup, and Mercedes Lewis didn't already put a New Orleans Saint on a poster. What is the logic there? Because we didn't dive deep enough into that. No, there's literally no logic there. That's just Just my fandom. That's my fandom brain coming to the forefront there. I guess the idea is, like, you know, if they would have – if the Saints would have actually been a good team, a team last year, it was would have been because Breeze's arm didn't fall off. And if Breeze's arm is normal, then yeah, they could go anywhere. Breeze's yeah. arm always falls off. Like you can, I know, that's the problem. It, it, it comes. It's like it was like uh, Thanksgiving. You could plan on it every year. It's like late November. He no longer can throw the football. It's been the case since like 2018. I just I don't want to. I didn't want to believe that, and I still don't want to believe it. Like I just I want to chalk up the playoff disappointments in new Orleans, you know, from 2017 to 2020 on like randomness. Cause that makes me feel better than Breeze's arm. Just, just falling off. Cause it's like, then you could have just like, you know, eventually just made the decision, especially in 2020 um, when the arm wasn't there from week one, basically. And just say like, okay, well let's, let's do the Taysom Jameis thing as we get on. But I know that was never going to happen, but it's like that, would have been the way to go. Um, but instead, I'm just going to assume that it's all just random luck. Minneapolis miracle, pass interference, overtime against Minnesota in, in uh, 2019, Jared Cook dropping the ball in 2020 against Tampa. Like, I'm just going to say that it's all random luck and the Saints are actually the best team in football over the past four years. That's disgusting. So <laughs> not not embarrassed, just embarrassingly hopeful. Is <laughs> the way to but do it's it. run out though, as you'll hear as we talk about it. My hope has completely vanished. I'm so let's, yeah, let's talk about speed. it. So okay, yeah. Drew Brees, who you just talked about, is no longer the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if people know that. Uh, what, where is he broadcasting? Yet? He's broadcasting, right? Or he's I think he's doing show. Notre Dame games. Notre Dame, or he might be just NBC. part of the NBC Sunday Night. I saw there was a picture of the NBC guys, and he was part of. Is it. he going to take uh, your boss's job? Uh, who knows? Um, that would be nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send that to my, Chris with my pal Drew Brees. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna clip this and send it to Chris and be like, "Look, look <laughs> what like, Seth is saying about you, bud." He said he said your like, time is that it, long. You have to send it to Cincinnati on like a on like a mix CD. Oh, in like what? a bad <laughs> they don't have packaging. email there. There's it's still hard disk physical copies. Yeah, well, it's Cincinnati, so well, that explains a lot of pro football focus is charting, right? Yeah. <laughs> so okay expectations this year Jameis winston is now the quarterback what what is going on in new orleans well I, you know i think i'm i'm excited to a certain degree like okay so the first thing is like i have no expectations in terms of of winning a lot of games and going back to the playoffs i'm kind of at peace with it like there it's a rebuild it's a weird rebuild because of the salary cap issues but it's a re, kind of a rebuild nonetheless um, especially in the depth portions of the of the roster. So I'm like kind of at peace with it. We had 15 years of unbelievable quarterback play, um, a Super Bowl, all the playoff games, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of at peace. But I am excited for a new offense. 
you know, it's been a long time since Breeze had a real live arm. Now, he was a great quarterback, you know, at the end, um, again, besides 2020. But, you know, it's since, you know, 2011, 2012, whatever, when he could really fire the ball in. And now you're going to Jameis Winston, who obviously has a, a, an elite arm strength. You know, he's an elite arm guy. So the offense is going to be different and it's going to be, I guess, more exciting. It'll be less efficient. There's going to be a lot more interceptions. There's going to be a lot more bad interceptions, but at least there's going to be some big plays down the field. And I think that's probably what I'm the most excited about. Just like a change. Like, like don't get me wrong. If, if, if Drew Brees, like let's say 2019 Drew Brees was still available, then yeah, I'd still want to go with Brees, obviously. But, you know, if that ship sailed, and I'm kind of excited to just get to see what a completely different quarterback. And even when Breeze was, you know, younger and had more arm strength, it's not like he was ever Jameis Winston. So, yeah, I'm, like, super excited. I think you're going to get more of this downfield um, downfield play action, uh, you know, less quick game, less, like, you know, super efficient slants and outs and stuff like that. Not that they won't call them, but... I think that's what I'm really excited for. It's just a completely different offense than, than the past like five, six years. All right. I already have a couple thoughts on what you just said. I want to start with, is it actually a rebuild? Cause they just traded a third round pick for Bradley Roby. Well, okay. Yeah. As I say, it's like a weird rebuild, but at least I have to like, I think the thing that scares me the most is they keep doing, making these, these, these moves, you know, they resign Quan Alexander, they go trade for Bradley Roby. They obviously feel pretty good. My biggest concern is there's like literally no depth. And it's like all of a sudden you're, you're, you're trading. You're still trading with draft picks. You're still um, you're not getting any younger. And what if this team is just not good? And there's a very big chance that this team is not good. And not like, not like you know, eight and nine, nine and eight. Like it could be like a five-win team. So it's like like – I know they don't think it's a rebuild, but it feels like it should be a rebuild um, to a certain degree. Now the problem and, it, and is, it's been something that's been coming for a long time too. You know, like they they've been pushing the the cap hits for Drew Brees down the line to the point where everyone knew the year after Drew Brees leaves, they're still going to have to account for them on the cap. So I think everyone thought that it was going to be like a planned strip down rebuild situation. Right. And that's not really what we're seeing. I mean, even on the defensive line. Right. I mean, Cameron Jordan's still there. They have Marcus Davenport and then they added Peyton Turner in the first round. Like, I don't know if they think this is like a rebuild because they're still bringing in guys that in the future will replace guys who have cap big cap hits right now. Which would make more sense in a rebuild if you then traded Cameron Jordan to a different team, you know, but that that's not what's happening. The same thing. They took Pete Warner in the second. Um, he's going to be backing up uh, Demario Davis and Quan Alexander in nickel. And then uh, the third-round cornerback that you guys drafted is, what, buried in the depth chart now behind Bradley Rovey? So it's like all these things are like way down the line things. It's not like you're getting young players reps that you're going to like invest in. And then, again, they'll be proven right if Jameis is fine. I remember Jameis is not – okay, like Jameis is not – Asking, uh, taking a lot of money, the other quarterback is unfortunately, but uh, the quarterback. other quarterback slash tight end, Quarter, yeah, quarterback, is, unfortunately. So it's like, yeah, if if it works out and Jameis is really good and they win eleven games and they go to playoffs, then yeah, it's all good. We made the right decisions. We, you know, we, you know, we we we, we kind of mortgaged the future again. But you kind of knew you were going to go to the playoffs with Breeze there. We just don't know. Like a lot, of, you know, there's there's. High, this is a very high variance team because if Jameis is just not good, then they win five games and win six games. And then, then what are you doing? Then the team is, then you're like, okay, well, the team is not good. And now you have, you just paid Marcus Williams. You know, you got Marshawn Lattimore, you got Cameron Jordan, you have the two tackles. It's like, that's a lot of money still without any depth. And like you said, you're hoping that, you know, the corner Paulson Adebo is like good, but who knows? It's a third round pick, you know, uh, you said the Warner, the linebacker. It's like, oh, maybe. We don't even know if Cesar Ruiz is good. Um, so it's like, we just don't know where the Saints are. And if it goes off the rails this season, then you're completely 
messed up going forward because then you have way too much money for people that aren't producing wins. And I think a lot of people in, in Saints land are thinking that the defense is going to be very good this year. And it's like, it can be because as we've mentioned, there are some pretty good talent there. You're talking about Davenport and, and, and Jordan on the outside at the edge. You're talking about Marshawn Lattimore, who's like up and down, but there's, there's high, high level play in there. Marcus Williams, high level play and all that stuff. But it's like, it just could, it this very easily could just not be good. You know, we know how defense works. Like, it's not always going to be great year after year. And it's been pretty good for the past, you know, three years. And if it's not good just because of like natural regression, then what are we doing here? Then, then the rebuild has to start, except, you know, like we're too, it's, we're, we're, we're tied up with a lot of money and it's going to be tough if the team isn't good. Again, if everything works out and Jameis is the lead quarterback and then we go to the playoffs and yeah, we're Mickey Loomis is the smartest person in the world, but like, I just don't know if that's going to happen. So when I look at the Saints defense, the two things that stand out for me in terms of like things the Packers want to attack, right? It's cornerback outside of uh, opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, right? And then it's that interior defensive line because you guys aren't getting the production that you used to be able to get, even with guys like uh, David Onyemata, right? Like just sneaky ways to get like quality interior interior play. Those guys are gone now. I, am I wrong for thinking that? Well, yeah, and especially because Bradley Robe is not going to play. Like they just right, for right. Bradley He's Robe. not going to be. He's not going to play. Week. So then I, I don't even know if it's going to be Paulson and Debo on the outside or, or somebody else. And Ken yeah, Crawley even, looks yummy. Oh my god, dude, he looks yummy. You, I don't think you understand <laughs> what how Saints fans feel about Ken Crawley, who like every once in a while looks. looks we have Kevin right. King. We have Kevin King. <laughs> we know right. exactly. We That's know exactly right. how you feel about Ken Crawley. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. Like um, this is a problem on the outside, and I think also like um, I, I'm I'm very torn about Marshawn Lattimore. It was great year one, and it's just been okay since then. And there's obviously some he's he's a super athlete, so it's like yeah, you're gonna have good play out of him. But I'm not like super sold. And you talk about David Onyemana, well, he's not playing either. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're rough in the middle. Um, you know, obviously you do have players like Cameron Jordan, who's just an elite run defender um, and a pass rusher. So like maybe he can, I don't know. He's not, I'm not saying he's going to slide inside. Like that's not what he does, but like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, don't think know. they're going to do that with him consistently. Yeah. So it's like, well, what's left on the middle and David Arnie is a good player. I'm like, really, I'm mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite, like out of nowhere stories, but like they just, if he's not playing, then who's left? Like, I don't even, does Shai Tuttle still play for the Saints? Like, I don't even know who the hell is left on this on this team and it's like wow yeah he does play for the same like again he's like he's like a solid player and he can have his flashes but it's like yeah i i agree the inside and um outside inside defensive line outside at cornerback is is interesting uh for the saints and even like man look i'm not i look demara davis top linebacker mm-hmm. Quan was okay last year and they've cut him like let's not forget they cut him and they re-signed him like two weeks ago now, that definitely was probably a money thing, partly, but it's not like they cut him and then re-sign him a day later. It took him like three, four months to re-sign him. So like, right, and even then, if if it is a money thing, it's still a money thing, you know? <laughs> Where it's like, yeah. yeah, your value to the team was not what we signed up for. That That is still it, in, in, in a, uh, a reflection of like who he is as a player to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, and it's like they, they've been looking for someone to play next to Demario Davis for... A long time, uh, and they just haven't been able to find the guy. And I, they, I think they just like the type of um, attributes that Quan brings. You know, he's fast and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure he's just he's he makes himself right enough as a linebacker, like getting in the right spots. I don't think he does that enough. So that is my biggest concern. Um, you know, I, I do like Dennis Allen's defense and what he does. It's very interesting. But is it just better when you have better players probably like like anyone else it's just better when you have better players and they're short in a lot of positions and if anyone goes down the linebacker goes down if a safety goes down if if chauncey in the slot goes down then i then i don't i have no clue who else is left on the roster 
two things real quick before we get to the offense. I am shocked that you like David Onyemata, who went to a Canadian school. University of Manitoba, baby. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, of course. You need to school. watch, like, like YouTube, like David Onyemata, Manitoba, you know, highlights, whatever. It's it's not real. It's, it's like fake. Just does, does Canadian college ball play a yard off the line of scrimmage yeah, with their a defensive yard off lineman, the ball. too? Yeah, so it's like a yard off the ball, and he's still absolutely killing anyone, any guard in front of him. It's really, it's a great highlight tape. I remember I watched the Akeem Hicks mm. uh, film back in the day when he was out there in Canada, and it was like absurd. So yeah, yeah. Canada not really producing offensive linemen like that. But you got <laughs> no. Tardif, right? Yeah, he went to McGill. He's from here. He's from Montreal, and yeah. um, there's a guy who made the Seahawks, or he was. He got some preseason reps this year for the Seahawks from Montreal, too. I remember uh, Eric Armstead's brother, for those who don't know, um, had a heart condition at USC, which is part of the reason why Eric Armstead ended up at Oregon instead of going to USC when USC was locking down all those guys. He spent a, I think it was just a year in the CFL, and he was just smoking some of those Canadian linemen. Um, He ended up signing like a pretty hefty UDFA uh, contract with the Patriots and then, you know, uh, health concerns ended up leading to him not making that roster, but he was crazy in his year in Canada. Um, well, so we don't have to get into this too deep, but like one of the things is like in Canada, because of the quotas of like mm-hmm. when the CFL, some of the quotas of like how many Canadians have to be on the field and so on and so forth, you end up with Amer- Canadian offensive lines in American defensive lines. And you can imagine how that's a mismatch a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just population wise, right? There's not, yeah. it, it's hard to find those bodies and it's even harder when you have a smaller population, you know, <laughs> like yeah. just from that perspective. The other thing that I want to touch on the defense, Demario Davis, he is the run stopper for that inside run game. Um, I don't know how you feel about his skill set specifically, but like when I watch him, it's almost like um, Donta Hightower-y, but like he's faster. Yeah, and, and, and I find like he'll blitz, he'll fit yeah. the inside run, but he's also like has a certain level of foot speed. He he's not like a will linebacker type of fast, but like for a Mike, it's definitely not below average. Right, and it's funny you bring up you know Will and Mike because they can't figure out where they want to play him either. He's like good at both positions, um, just because like you know if you're a good linebacker, you're probably going to be good at both positions, but like. This is always the problem with Quan there. The maybe you know Quan plays well, and he and Demario plays Mike with um, the kid out of Florida with the long hair. Oh my God, I forgot his name. Um, Alex, Anzalone. Uh, Anzalone. Uh, I think you cover Anzalone football played... for a living. You're a Saints fan. Goodness gracious. <laughs> he played like Anzalone played Mike, and and Demario played well. I I think he's a I think he's a will because he can do the type of stuff that that wills kind of have to do in coverage sometimes. Um, you know, thinking about some of the stuff that like, uh, you know, KJ Wright will have to do in, in Seattle back in the day. But so to, to, you know, to get back to your point, like, yeah, he's, he's fast, he's instinctual. And then you see it a with, with how he just can cover people, you know, you know, in, in a, in a regular down and distance, whatever. But, you know, the saints and Dennis Island loves to send those like, you know, five Oh, six Oh, mostly six Oh, I would say fronts. And, you know, cover up all the offensive linemen. You know, everyone's in a gap type of situation on third down. But then he he rarely actually sends all six, just like straight up cover zero. And what you see what when why he's able to like, you know, play around with the type of blitzes from that look is because you have Demario Davis, who is so fast and so instinctual that he can be on the line of scrimmage. And then on the snap, drop out, and they'll you know they'll bluff a blitz, and then he's going to cover someone who's in the slot on the other side or whatever. So like that that's the type of player you're getting out of Demario Davis. But again, they can't figure out who to play with him, and and I, and maybe you know just more chemistry with Quan um, will will do them good. Yeah, and when you talk about, so when you talk about those six O looks, because we haven't we haven't conditioned the uh, Acme Packing Company uh, viewership to like have terminal football brain like we do in terms of like x and o's right um i want your you listeners by- to understand uh, before we i want your listeners to understand and we don't have to get into it the most terminal football brain on the planet is, is justice Mosqueda. okay we don't have to get into it anymore but like that is the ultimate that justice's brain is going to be studied by uh scientists for a long time 
after he's gone. Okay, yeah, so 6-0 looks. Um, basically, what I mean is everyone is standing up. And they do this on third down a lot, and you'll see it. I'm sure you'll see it um, on Sunday. Everybody is standing in front of basically an offensive lineman. And they're trying to show one more, like, so six versus the five offensive linemen, rather than like a normal setup, which, you know, you have four defensive linemen, and then the two linebackers are standing there five yards deep. And that's, the, you know, your, your, your regular defense. So what the Saints love to do on third down is they'll show you that they are going to come with a heavy, heavy blitz, you know, putting six guys up on the line of scrimmage. And then, like I said, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, doesn't or actually rarely just blitzes everybody. He'll make it look like it is. And then you'll try to, to say, okay, well, these five guys are coming and you protect those against those five guys, except he's actually sending a different four guys and everyone else is dropping off into his zone coverage. So that's, that's a big deal. That is a big thing that, that uh, Dennis Allen loves to, uh, to do on third down. And, and it changes how the quarterback has to think pre-snap, right? Which is why they do it. Um, if you want to get the running back involved in, in the passing game, right? You want to run a route? You only have five offensive linemen to handle six potential blitzers and they're all at the line of scrimmage, right? So you have to honor it. So you either have to make the decision, is the quarterback thinking hot here in terms of like, is he just trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible? Or are you going to use that running back to help in pass protection, right? And there's pluses and minuses to either. And you can play games with that. Um, that's really the big issue with those. A lot of people call them mug fronts, if you want to look that yeah. up. Um, offensively. Actually, let's t- toss it to break. We'll talk about the offense after the break. All right. And we're back with Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus. I want to talk about the offense now, right? You talked about Jameis Winston. He's going to throw the ball deep. Here is the problem that I have with that. Everyone <laughs> talks about Jameis Winston and his interceptions, and a lot of people bring up I think a very valid point that like a lot of those interceptions happen late in games or on long downs when it's less important to not throw interceptions, right? It's, it's not like he was throwing those picks um, first and 10 on the 20 yard line or 25 yard line. Now, I guess here's the problem. I don't see the guys he can throw deep to on this roster, right? Like, is he throwing deep balls to Traquan Smith? Because Traquan Smith isn't Chris Godwin. He isn't, Mike Evans, and right now they don't have Michael Thomas. Uh, Traquan Smith is just probably not that good. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's, what not, to say that at this point. He's not that He's guy. He's not that guy. He's just not that guy. He's just not that guy. Uh, so, like, yeah, I agree. And you have no Michael Thomas, which means all these type of number one receiver routes or X receiver routes, we call them, are going to go to Marquez Callaway. So it's like, yeah, okay, if you're a fantasy player pick up Marcus Callaway because you're getting 10 targets a game or eight targets a game or something like that. But if you're talking like trying to win a football game, that's a problem. That's a big problem. I liked a little bit from what I saw from uh, little Jordan Humphrey last year. I do like Trey Smith once in a while. Um, there was he's an, a he's an NFL player. I just don't understand. Like yeah. we're going to throw, we're, we're going to put Trey Smith in a position where he can win or lose us games. Like, yeah. And he's not like, <laughs> When when have we seen him as this like take the top off a of defense type of guy? That's Against not really his AAC game. AAC defenders at USC or UCF. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not really that's his game. And so then the, the one guy with, they have on the roster who I'd be worried that can actually do that is, is Dante Harris, but he's so damn small right. that you, they just keep him as a return man. Yeah, he's like the number one return man. He's a very good return man. He's yeah, great. His, his stats at assumption are hilarious. He had like twenty yeah. return touchdowns. I like a, I think it was a D two school. Maybe it was D three. Uh, yeah, and 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 he's returned it in the NFL too. He's, he has a couple. Yeah, he's great. He's Honestly, so the the game changes in temp uh, against Tampa Bay in the playoff game if they don't get called back for like a legal block on on a return for a touchdown uh, in like the first quarter or something. Anyways, um, yeah. So it's like he is a take a top off the defense type of guy. But again, it's like, is he a, a yes? He has speed. But like there's 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 a little more like not like it's not just not just like oh you have speed so you're Deshaun Jackson oh you have speed so you're even Ted again like I don't know if he's either of those guys that's and and then it's like well who's left it's a receiving core that looks infinitely better when 
Michael Thomas is back. But right now, you know, week one, I just don't know who can get open against, man. We don't know anything. Like, can, can Marcus Callaway just get open against the, against you know, Jair Alexander? Like, I I don't – can little Jordan Humphrey, Humphrey get open against Kevin King? I don't know, man. That that makes me nervous. Tight end situation is better. Adam Troutman could be a very, very good tight end. He's the in his second year. And then you have Taysom Hill who will play tight end. I like him a lot as a tight end. <laughs> make, make sure I'm clear on that. Um, but then it's like, again, it's like, you're not winning games because you, you have these, like, you have, you have like a couple good tight ends. So that, it makes me very nervous. And I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, Michael Thomas isn't really a burner, right? I mean, NFL DVs are calling him slant boy and stuff like that. Well, the (laughs) speed guy was Emmanuel Sanders and they haven't really replaced him. And that's not replacing Emmanuel Sanders and then also losing Michael Thomas. That's really the issue. It's it's not one of them. It's the fact you're getting both of those things at the same time. Plus Jared Cook. Yeah, exactly. So it's like those are three like top receivers. Um, you know, Jared Cook was inconsistent, but I think his top games were as good as any tight end. Yeah, he's got dropsies, but game. he's athletic and he's hard to match up against. Like he can break your Dude, defense. He can change they, how you structure mid game. Hundred percent. And they were using him on the routes that they would give. Um, these like underneath option routes th- that have been going to, you know, Kamara and Michael Thomas, and then before him, like, you know, Darren Sproles and stuff like that. And they were giving Jared Cook those routes. That's like high praise from Sean Payton if you're getting those routes in the Saints offense. So it's like you're losing Thomas, you're losing Emmanuel Sanders, who stepped up in a big way. I don't think he, I don't know if he, he, lived up to expectations per se, but I also think he would have looked better if Breeze could actually do anything in 2020. And then, and then Jack Cook, who I, who I really, really liked as a saint. So it's just, and you're just not replacing, you're replacing him with guys who we just don't know anything about or guys that we know about and who aren't good. Trey Smith, Chris Hogan, like, uh, I don't know. Former Packer Ty Montgomery. Like, I don't know. And he's playing wide receiver now. And I think it's interesting. Jawan Johnson is playing tight end for you guys. He was a wide receiver at, at Oregon. Um, yeah, and he played I, tight end. He played receiver um, last year, I believe. And they must have moved him. Uh, yeah. Why are you guys rostering four quarterbacks? Someone explain that to, him, to me. Is it just I because you spent, Ian, uh, you spent a fourth-round pick on Ian Book and you don't want to cut him? That has to be it. Dude, it's like, wait, Trevor Simeon beat out the draft pick, so I guess we're keeping the draft pick, and we can't let Taysom go and, because Taysom does all these other things. Yeah. Like, the Ian Book thing, I mean, I had to watch this guy play a lot. I don't know why I watch so much Ian Book tape. Um, and it's just like, you, there's no way you, you saw an NFL quarterback, and there's absolutely even less of a chance you saw a fourth-round pick and here we are. He's on the roster, and he was a fourth-round pick. He's going to be a healthy scratch, right? He yeah, 100%. He has to be. <laughs> I don't even know if, like, Trevor Simeon is a, is game-day active. I, I don't know why. What what does Trevor Simeon bring to the table that Taysom Hill doesn't? Like, this could be a two-quarterback team. I don't understand why they're keeping four. It doesn't really yeah. make sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, Another thing that I wanted to point out. We had this conversation on your podcast, Too High, with – Deontay Lee and Deontay brought up a point that made a lot of sense to me. So it was basically, you know, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, you almost have to treat him like a slot receiver, right? So when Michael Thomas was there, not well, okay, let's think about last year, right? You had Manny Sanders stretching the defense vertically, right? Jared Cook could do a lot of things athletically that could cause you matchup problems, right? Then if you put Michael Thomas in the slot, and Alvin Kamara was running routes out of the backfield, it's tough to rotate coverage to all those things, right? So now that, like, Alvin Kamara doesn't have that slot receiver opposite of him, you know, Michael Thomas being able to do a lot of the quick game stuff and, you know, Jerry Cook, what does that mean for, like, Alvin Kamara's production? Because I look at this offense, and again, we just talked about the wide receivers. You're pretty high on Troutman. I don't I don't know if I see that with Troutman. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, he's a pretty young player. But – what like what are the win conditions for this team? Because it's to me they have an advantage on the offensive line relative to the Packers' defensive line, at least their interior players, right? 
And then Alvin Kamara needs to get like four touchdowns. And I just don't know if teams are going to be treating him the same when Michael Thomas is an opposite of him. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard. And I also say like there was something about Breeze, especially as later in his career, getting a guy like Kamara, where I felt like he would almost bypass some of his reads knowing that he was going to get a one-on-one with Kamara on a check down. I mean, it's not a bad plan. Right. And it's like, <laughs> there it is. And let me get Kamara in space. I think of so many different plays over the past, right over the ball. You know what I mean? He's the check down, but really he's the first read because Breeze knows that, you know, based on the pre-snap that everyone's going to get run off. And then here's Kamara. And it's like, that's not, <laughs> let me tell you something. That is not Jameis Winston's game. So there goes, there goes a lot of touches. I think that means you're going to have to start manufacturing touches for Avon Kamara, not just, um, on screens and stuff because you can't just count on um, uh, screens going 70 yards. Screen Screens are sloppy plays too. Like in terms of once you call it, like anything can really happen because defensive linemen, linebackers, they react to it at different times. It's not always what you look. It's what you want out of the look. It's a lot of, I, I hope this goes right. So it's like, well then – are we going to start scheming him more down the field? Like, is that a winning, winning business model? Because you don't have a choice because you just don't feel like you can scheme But well, then up you're the... sucking five-man protection, though, right? It's and a problem. The Packers are going to blitz. I mean, I, I think they're going to be – I just talking about the Packers' structure, um, I have a big post that's ready to go about the Packers' defense and their structure right now. I haven't hit publish because I want to see – what it looks like week one before I pull the trigger on. This is what they were running in the preseason. I want to proclaim that I know what they're doing, right? But what they were doing in the preseason, I would be surprised if they weren't a top 10 team in base defense because of how they match up the personnel. If, if you bring, you know, two tight ends out or a tight end and a fullback out, they're pretty much going to play base. Um, that's kind of their game plan. And then they just blitz the hell out of it because they're going to play out of too high. So they're going to try to win a gap back with blitzes and stunts within the box um, and that allows their safeties to play outside of the box and fit the run alleys. The problem I see is if you really want to get the, the running back involved, you're putting all of that on the offensive line, which, you know, they, they have a solid offensive line, but also the quarterback to be able to see what the offensive line is letting free. You know, when they, when you have to let a guy loose, can Jameis Winston see it? Um, and that's kind of the trade-off that you have if you're going to try to do anything vertical with with Camara. Yeah, and 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 as I kind of mentioned before, like we still don't really know about the interior of the offensive line. Um, Armstead, Ramchick, solid, solid tackles, but I really believe that even though they'll have like, you know, these like Saints Hall of Famers, um, you know, in the, like the Saints Ring of Honor at guard throughout this Breeze tenure because they've had supposedly great guards and they have had great guards. I do believe that Breeze is the way he plays makes the guards look probably better. And, it's, and I'm really not trying to like be like, Hey, yeah, Jari Evans and Carl Nix are, were bad players. Like clearly they're good players. I'm not saying that, but I think like they kind of got into the situation where they could get rid of like a Larry Warford and bring in Cesar Ruiz and just be like, all right, well, it's okay because, well, you know, like we're gonna be fine. And like Andrews Pete, and they're gonna pay Andrews Pete and be like, all right, well, we're gonna be fine because Drew Brees is the quarterback. And it's like, is that going to be the case with a different quarterback? Um, you know, I, I still have high hopes for Ruiz, still a young kid. Eric McCoy at center is really good. Um, Pete, Pete's a different story, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> let's talk about Pete because Pete, you know, first round pick. And then he got a big deal. And I think everyone, I, I think when people read that, right, and they say, oh, he was a first-round pick and the team wanted to keep him on the team, they assume that he's good. But I do have a lot of doubts about him specifically in pass pro. I just, it's, you know, it's one thing when you have uh, Max Unger and Larry Warford, you know, at center guard. And you still have Arm Armstead and Ramchick. So he's like one, he's like a one bad piece out of five. You know, you live with it, not the end of the world. Not everyone can have a you know five-star offensive line. 
Um, Eric McCoy is in his third year. Cesar Reed is going through his second year. Um, you know, Armstead has had some injury problems. So it's like, man, now it's like you're not just the 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 black sheep out of a out of other like with four four stars with four stars next to you. You are one of you know three players in the in the middle that might not be great. That makes it even worse. And he's just not he's not great. Like I don't know what to say. He's not a great. He's a good at best. He's a good player. Um, at worst, he's a turnstile. So it's like I don't know much. I don't know. They like him clearly. Maybe. Um, well, he's maybe he's good in the run game, right? And that's one yeah, of he the can other things. Big dude. Like, you talk about Walford, and you talk about how Breeze can make some of these guys' uh, inefficiencies t- kind of mask them, right? And it's because yeah. he gets the ball out so fast, right? So, yeah. okay, you're a good run blocker, and I can get the ball out fast. Well, then pass protection play at guard doesn't really matter as much, right? So it it, it does change a little bit. That's why I'm, like, wondering about the structure of this team because you're, you, you come into the podcast and you're like, yeah, deep shots with Jameis Winston. I'm like, I don't know if they can yeah, do with that. Who? No, I agree <laughs> with who. I just think I just think they will be in a mold that probably is similar to Tampa Bay, in that it's going to be like a vertical downhill rushing attack, paired with that with a with a vertical play action game, rather than them spreading out more. I think they'll try and do it to protect Jameis as much. And again, it's like I don't know. We're going to see right away. Like, who does Sean Payton want on the field? Like, does he want like again because no Michael Thomas? It's like who can who does he trust to play on the field? He trusts Taysom Hill. I feel like he trusts Adam Troutman. Well, that that takes away a lot of what you want to do if you're going to have to play those two guys. Like, does he trust? Um, Trayvon Smith to be the real number two receiver. I, I I doubt it. But then it's like, who's left, man? Well, Jordan Humphrey. Like, does he trust too, him? Like, I, he played well, but like, I don't know. The other thing too is like Taysom Hill. All right, if Taysom's going to play fullback and Troutman is going to play tight end, there's not that many ways to get the running back involved in the passing game when you have a fullback out there. You know, unless it's just yeah. quick stuff. Which, okay, you can run quick stuff, but if your if your entire game is we're going to be I formation running quick game passes to Alvin Kamara. There's a lot better ways and a lot easier ways to win football games than that. Yeah, that, that's going to be really difficult on them. And I also wonder another thing that the Saints have been really good at is, um, I don't know how to say this. Like, yes, I work for PFF, but um, they're kind of like going against the grain in a sense. And like, they'll run the ball on first down and they'll run the ball on second down. And what they've been really, really good at is not, getting any negative plays they're like number one every year and basically like percentage of runs that at least gain like one yard or something uh in the run game on like first down and second down so it's like you can just play in that in that mold where you can be in a third and five third and six with drew Brees because he's drew Brees, and it's like you he's a, it's like we're talk, talking about one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So you can be in any down distance with him, but you can you can be in these like quote unquote manageable third downs, which as we've kind of begun to understand don't actually exist. Like the only manageable third down is like third and one per the analytics. Um, but you could do that with a Hall of Fame quarterback. So now it's like, okay, well, you're going to run the ball on first down. Uh, you're going to run the ball in second and 10, whatever it is. You're getting to third and seven, third and six with Jameis, who, let me tell you, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, is that a, is that a winning winning business Jay, model? Jameis isn't going to try to throw for seven on a third and six either. You know? Exactly. He's going to try to flip the field, and it's going to flip the field one way or the other. You know? Exactly. <laughs> this deep shot is going to lead to a punt. It's going to be an arm punt, or it's going to be a big catch. Right? So – That'll be interesting. Um, so this line is at four and a half right now, right? The game moved to Jacksonville, obviously, because of uh, the hurricane. Um, that's unfortunate for Saints fans. I don't. I, I I know people in Louisiana right now. A couple of them like just got power back. So I, I I think Saints fans have a lot more things in mind than making this trip to Jacksonville right now. I think it's going to be a big Green Bay crowd. Um, when I say four and a half, 
where, where does your mind go? Who are you taking? Uh, you know, I think you still got to, that's nothing. Honestly, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this Saints team, it's funny. I came into this when we started recording. I was like, I have no expectations. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, it could be like a 12 win team. And then going through the roster with you, it's, oh my God. There's it's a lot of holes, good. man. There's yeah, a, there's a lot, there's of, a lot holes. of holes. And I, I, I think the fact that they're getting an offense that knows what they are, right? Going year three into this offense and a defense that you don't have much film on is going to hurt, right? I would love to play Carolina week one. Is That's what I'm saying. Oh, everyone would love to play Carolina week one. I mean, Sam Darnold. <laughs> I know, but they're, they're, in, they're in my division at least. Like, yeah. at least like it's, it could be. Um, yeah, the, four and a half seems very small. Uh, I think they win. I, I would assume Green Bay wins by a couple touchdowns. I'm holding on hope, but I, I would assume that they, they win by a couple touchdowns or like 10 points or something like that. So, so um, how does that game play out in your mind? Like I'm asking you for not, not even just like an end result prediction, like coming into the game first quarter, then what happens? Well, I, I, I really believe I like really, really believe it plays out kind of like I was just saying where they're going to try and run the ball early and it's not going to work. And then it's like, we're in a lot of third downs where either, like you said, we're either punting or we're throwing an interception and you know, I love the Packers offense. We talked about it last week on, on, on my podcast. Like you said, the Packers offense is great. I, I did a lot of time studying. I probably studied the Packers offense more than I look, re, you know, kind of rewatched the Saints 2020 season. So, like, that offense is scary. It was it, – it moved the ball. Um, I don't remember how points, 30-plus points against a, a complete Saints team last year, relatively. So I would imagine it happens again. And yeah, I think what, what scares me the most, like I, like I said, is they're going to try and run the football and it's not going to work. Um, even with Kamara there, maybe Kamara breaks a couple, but it's really, you know, overall, it's just not going to work. And they're going to be giving the ball back to Green Bay way too much. And the Green Bay is going to build a pretty big lead early on. One last thing, because um, I want to see what your perspective on this is, because I've never gotten a clear answer on it. We see offensive coordinators for big-time offenses move on to head coaching jobs all the time. And, you know, Peyton Manning has gotten a lot of people jobs. Tom Brady has gotten a lot of people jobs. Even Aaron Rodgers has gotten people jobs, right? Pete Carmichael is just staying as the offensive coordinator for Sean Payton. And I understand, like, Pete Pete isn't uh, calling plays, but, like, neither is Biennemi, and everyone talks about Biennemi every year, right? Um, What? is the deal with Pete Carmichael. Is he just like uh, the NFL's Brent Venables, where Venables is just the DC at Clemson, and he's just like, yeah, no, this is a this is a cushy gig, dude. Like, I'm not going to leave it, and they pay me good money. Like, why would I ruin that by exposing myself to a head coaching job? It's, it's pretty hard to do that. I have something nice here going on. How, how do Saints fans think of Pete Carmichael, and have you guys gotten any indication on, like, why this guy hasn't gotten a job after being the OC for Sean Payton for, like, 10 years? Uh, man, I wish I could tell you. And the thing is, they've had OCs before Carmichael and, you know, Joe Lombardi right. was the OC or uh, he might not have been the OC now that I'm thinking about it. I think he, he was, was quarterback, quarterback, he was quarterback coach. coach, but I mean, he got a lot of puff pieces written about him before he took an OC job somewhere else. In, in Detroit and it wasn't very good. Right. Um, and then I guess before that, was it Doug Marone? That sounds I think right. Doug Marone yeah, he, was the OC. Peyton guy. Because they're they're all Parcells dudes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Doug it's Marone, the same thing with yeah. uh, what's his name? Uh Dan Campbell in uh yep. in Detroit. He he was a Parcells guy. That's kind of like what this that tree is kind of breeded off. It's like Sean Payton and then the Belichick guys. Those are the Parcell dudes still kicking around. So I just wonder if Pete may maybe like this is this is looking into his psyche that I don't know, but like maybe he just sees them go leave the saints and it's not great. Obviously we just saw Joe Brady do it and that was good, but maybe he just sees him and says, man, I want to go. Or maybe you're right. And he's just wants, he wants to like draw up plays. Like, and honestly, like, um, I think, you know, this as well as I do, like some, some people just want to draw up plays. I just want to draw up plays. Brent Venables literally just wants to draw up plays. And I maybe mean, that's, that, that's well. full-time gigs for some of these teams. I yeah. mean, uh, like Andy Reid in Kansas City, a lot of his stuff was um, 
damn, I'm spacing on, on his name, Brad Childress, who was yep. there. And he was like spread game an, uh, analyst <laughs> or something like that. Like his yeah. job is like eat, eat film, find cool stuff, bring it to Andy Reid. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. And then you see um, it in college football all the time too, with like Saban and all these big SEC schools who can afford to pay former head coaches to like rehab their image. And then also like give their families health insurance by giving them a gig instead of just taking the buyout money. And they're, they're keeping them as like analysts and their entire job, like Sarkeesian, right. For example, before Lane Kiffin left, his job was just like, watch film dude. And tell us what you think. Yeah. And like in, in college, like when you're an analyst, I don't, I know the rules exactly, but like, you're literally like not allowed to talk to the players. Basically. You're, you're technically you have not to stay... supposed to be an on-field coach. When, yeah, exactly. when Sarkeesian went on uh, the field for Alabama as their offensive coordinator, that was not the first time the Crimson Tide players had ever talked to uh, Steve <laughs> Sarkeesian. Like that, yeah. You're not supposed to, but like, okay, who's watching? Where's the enforcement yeah. arm? We, we've seen the, the NCAA's enforcement arm recently. Doesn't seem very powerful. <laughs> it's very weak. Uh, it's not, it's, so yeah, it's maybe, not good unless yeah. you you have a snitch and documentation. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder. Like, um, yeah, I just I, yeah. Anyways, getting back, I went. I, I looked up Brad Childress. His title was literally spread game analysis. Yeah, analyst. Yeah, like that's not that's not real. That's just fake. That's like, hey, like you said, go watch film, and because I don't have time to watch. Uh, you know, App State or whoever, or Arizona State or whatever. So you go do it, and then be like, "Hey, this is a cool trick play that they ran." Like, great, thanks, Brad. I, I think people would be uh, surprised now, now how look many at of Brad. those type he's, of guys he's there on are. The black market preseason um, tape guy. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of those guys, and and but uh, but uh, the thing is, is like, like uh, we, we believe that everybody just wants to be a head coach. And I don't think that's necessarily true. And Carmichael might be a good example of someone who is like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't, I'm not in the news often. Um, I have a great job. And I just get to coach football. I'm like, draw post routes and stuff. I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> and, and I think people don't realize like how many decisions some of these guys have to make too in terms of like head coach and general manager. I saw even the slightest bit with the XFL. I know it's very different than the NFL structure, but like all the little decisions you have to do where you think you're taking a general manager job and you're like, yes, I finally get to pick the players. And then what actually happens is like, people are asking you like constantly, like what color of paint do you think that we should make this room? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's stuff like that where people, I, the, I, the bandwidth of people gets stretched so thin that you can't do some of the things that you actually wanted to do. And even in draft season, you see, I mean, it doesn't get reported, right? But there's a lot of people who pay a lot of people to watch film for them. Like, they're former head coaches who, like, maybe uh, this guy has a good quarterback background or a good offensive line background. And that's the guy that they pay to, like, give uh, them a overview of, like, hey, how good are these guys actually? Because the scouts, really what their job is, is intel. It's not to break down film. It's intel. And to be troops on the ground and, like, Hey, what's really going on in this program? And like, is there something that we should be aware about? You know, and I, I don't think people realize like how divorced some of these decisions are. It's funny you, you mentioned the scouts being like about intel. I um, and that's obviously a hundred percent true. Now, obviously, you, you watch film, do whatever. Yeah, they they know like, they know ball, but that's not like Bill not like Belichick your, isn't making yeah. decisions off of what scouts think. That's not exactly. what's happening. So, like, I, I I was in I was at Vanderbilt this summer. Um, just like kind of watching practice and stuff. And there was a scout from an NFL team. And he was just like, I was like, oh, you know, what's your schedule like? And he's like, yo, here at Vanderbilt today, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm at uh, East Tennessee and then I'm at, or Eastern Kentucky. And then I'm at, you know, UT. And just like, did he watch practice? Nope. He was just like, let me get names. Let me get names. Let me talk to the people who are in charge of the kids. And let me get yeah, names. Find the snitch. And that's my job. Because that's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you need the snitch for the intel. And you have yeah. to build relationships. It's, it's big time. Like, it's a lot more like networking than it is in, in terms of the importance of it. Right. And obviously, teams structure it in different ways. Like, the Green Bay Packers very much are like our scout scout. Right. Like, that, that's kind of a big uh, part of their program. But for a lot of places around the league, it's, 
a lot of networking. It's a lot of like rubbing elbows so that like when something does pop up and you could say, you know, hey, what's really happening with like this Dwayne Haskins thing? You don't have mm. to guess, right? You, you can get information on that. I remember, so like one of my first year coaching college football, I, it hit me, this is kind of going back to, to earlier what you're saying, but like, I was like, oh, my head coach is an administrator. Like he was a defensive coordinator at the college level here and like blah, blah, blah. And he was a really good coach and blah, blah, blah. And then he became a head coach. And it's like, well, you're not calling the defense anymore. Like you're just handling, like you said, like what color paint are we going to use in the bathrooms? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so it's like, yeah, I, I saw that right away. And I was like, oh, this is very different. And that also like when I see guys who like Sean Payton, like um, Kyle Shanahan, like uh, whoever else calling plays still, um, that's, I have a lot of respect for that because I know how much time, how time consuming from kind the of field. having two jobs from the uh, that, field. That's whole, yeah, don't get me started on that. Like calling a calling an offense from the field where um, that is a full time job, but then you also have this other full time job of being a head coach of a football of an NFL team. That's crazy. Yeah, th- those type of guys. That's where it gets into the like, yeah, football speaks to them type of thing yeah. <laughs> where it's like yeah. yeah they probably don't think about anything other than being a head coach and football field stuff you know <laughs> where it's like there's just not enough time in the world to be able to do those two gigs and then also have a life on top of that um yeah thanks oh go yeah. ahead go ahead no i was just saying and you're cramming that it's not like oh well it's a one-year thing it's like it's a five month you're cramming a year's worth into five months during the season it's tough anyways yes thank oh, you for I was having just gonna me say, Thanks for joining us. I know we we went on a little rant at the end, but if you stuck with us, uh, you probably enjoyed it, frankly. Um, tell the people where they can find your work, Seth. Uh, PFF.com, uh, PFF underscore Seth on Twitter, and the Two High Podcast with me and Deontay Lee on uh, wherever you can find, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And that's, that's great stuff, too. If you really like like nerdy football stuff, uh, terminal football brain content. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Cause those two are very bright and yeah, they're, they're, you're going to be hearing from them a long time. Like what Deontay is going to be like an NFL DC in like five years. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm still going to be a PFF. <laughs> Deontay is going to be the DC for like the Cleveland Browns or something. So that, that's really don't weird. put that on him. He doesn't deserve that. <laughs> He's got a kid, man. He has a family. Yeah. He all, needs, right. He, he, yeah all right. All right. Thanks, Seth. Goodbye.